Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We, we love you. We consider you uh, family. If you don't already have a, uh, a place to call your home church, uh, we would love to uh, take you in and make you a part of our, our, our family uh, because we got, we got great people uh, at Numa Church. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm, I'm ready to preach this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that you turn with me to Matthew 25. Uh, man, this past Friday, we had such an incredible time in the presence of God. We had a night of worship. Um, that's one thing that we have set out to do every once a quarter. We end in uh, and we, we did it a little late this this past quarter. But once a quarter, we we end it in, in worship, just thanking God for everything that he's doing, because, you know, a, a church that is busy is is a uh, well, I won't I won't say is a, is a healthy church, but a, a, a church that is busy in the things of God is a healthy church. And, uh, and, and we're pretty busy in the things of God. And every now and then, it's good just to pause and come together. Uh, and the only thing on the agenda is worshiping God. Just lifting up thanksgiving and praises. And so uh, I, I, I want to encourage you uh, to join us on the next night of worship. Uh, we, we should be having that one in, in September. Amen. Matthew 25, we're going to be reading verses 31 through 46. And um, we're going to be reading some scripture today. We're going to be reading quite a bit. So I want you to stay with me uh, this morning as we read this first passage of scripture, 25, 31 through 46 of Matthew. It says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, He then will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from uh, another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed uh, welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison you did not visit me. Then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will say to them, truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word, my God. 
because I know that giving it to me was a struggle. And I pray, Father God, that today, Lord, as, as it's delivered, it, it be by your Holy Spirit speaking through me, Father God. I pray that you give us ears to, to hear the word, my God, and not just hear it, my God, but, but to do it, Father God, to put it into practice, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I entitled the sermon today, The Right Side. Jesus was clear that those on his right side will inherit the kingdom of heaven that he has prepared for them before the foundations of the earth, right? It's on the right side that we should all wish to be on. Amen. It's on the, how many of us are going to be on the right side of Jesus on that day of judgment, right? That, that's where we need to find ourselves in. Now you might say, well, you know, why, why are you bringing a message um, with this passage of scripture to the church, the church, we're already on the right. We're at church, right? We're on the right side, right? We're, we're, we're Christians. So why does this message need to be brought? Well, the sad reality is that many people in the church will not be found on the right side of Jesus. What's even sadder is that many of these people won't even realize they're, that they're not supposed to be on the right side of Jesus. They're going to be blindsided by the fact that Jesus said, uh-huh, you, don't, you don't go on the right side. You go on the left side. And they're going to say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. And Jesus is going to say, well, where are you, though? You know. this, this is the reality. There, there's, there's people who will genuinely believe that they belonged on the right side of Jesus. See, there's, there's fake Christians and then there's Christians who really believe that they're Christians, but they're not. They're still fake Christians, but they don't know that they're fake. And, and these are the people who, who, who may profess Christ with their lips, but deny them with their lifestyle and with their heart. I was doing some research and I found that a, that a Pew Research study, this was just recent, it was 2020, it found that 65% of Americans identify as, as Christian. 65%, that's a, that's a decent number. But I want to press on that word identify because we know that identify is not the same thing as identity, right? It does not mean the same... Uh, the, the same thing. You can identify as something that you are clearly not. And we see this in our culture a lot. People identifying as something that is not their correct identity. Identity has to do with nature. It has to do with uh, intrinsic characteristics and qualities. To identify simply means to assign a perceived identity to something, whether or not it's correct. So 65% of Americans may identify as Christian, but their identity may be far from a Christian. And I think that the real scary, that's, that, that's the scary thing about this passage because Jesus isn't talking about those who are pretending to be Christians. He's talking about people who truly believe that their names are written in the book of life. Man, you're, you're, you're like, Pastor, you're just going into it today. So I, I believe that this is very much a message for the people in the church. Because there often comes this idea that the church and the ministry and man, even doctrines even and your network of Christian friends, there's this idea that those things are equivalent to a relationship with Jesus. They're vital to a Christian life. 
But they are not your identity of, as a Christian. And so I, I was thinking about the man who was hanging next to Jesus on the cross. He had no church. He had no ministry. He had no theological knowledge, no biblical knowledge of, uh, of the Old Testament scriptures. He had no Christian friends. He had two things, repentance and belief in Jesus as the son of God. And that was enough for Jesus to give him a new identity. But in the Christian church, talking about the capital C church, not just, not just Numa, there is this idea that, that we are protected as long as our social network is healthy, our, our church speaks sound doctrine. Those things help, but they don't save. Your church can't save you. Your biblical knowledge, it cannot save you. The songs that you sing as beautiful and eloquent and profound theologically as they are, they cannot save you. It is the heart that saves a person. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. That is what Jesus said. Earlier this week, I posted something to Facebook. It was just a little thought that I had. As I was preparing for the message, it said, if the word of God no longer convicts us, we've we've either achieved perfection or we're just deliberately ignoring the parts that are meant to convict us. Right. Anybody here perfect? (laughs) No. So we should approach the word of God ready to be convicted. We should approach the word of God ready for it to correct us and to make us see it, it, it's the word of God should be like a mirror in the mornings. Okay. Not, not like after you're fixed up in the mornings. Okay. A mirror well, the first thing you wake up and you look at yourself and you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> that is what the, the word of God should do. It should expose the ugly that is there. And so this reminded me, of the verse on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, they will inherit the kingdom of God. What is meekness? Humility. Meekness is is a humble spirit. To be poor in spirit is, is a feeling of not being good enough, not feeling worthy because we're not worthy, right? It's, it, it's, it's people like this. It's people who are poor in spirit that constantly struggle with their weaknesses. And maybe, maybe you think, man, God, I'm, I'm, I'm always asking for forgiveness. I'm always failing you. I'm, I'm never enough. Blessed are you because you are poor in spirit. Because you go to God who can, who can provide unconditional grace when you give him your heart. Those are the people that are poor in spirit. They see their weaknesses. They see that that they still struggle every now and then with with pride. They still struggle with the inability to forgive others. They still struggle with the lack of self-control, lack of patience. And they're constantly asking for the grace of God because they know that they're not enough. They're constantly being convicted by the power of the word of God. And so if the word of God is not constantly exposing our imperfections, we're obviously perfect. Or we're just not looking at those parts. And so I believe that these are the people that Jesus will be separating 
and putting on his left. The people who believe they are righteous. They don't notice their own faults because they're too busy looking at other people's faults. They notice yours, but they don't notice their own. To them, everyone should, everyone should be like, everybody should think like me. Everyone should believe like me. Everyone should behave like me. Why can't they be more like me? I am the model of a Christian. But Jesus says, no, you, you've got it wrong. You've got to be poor in spirit. Because you have to remain dependent on my grace because you need it every day, whether you think so or not. It's them who will inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They will inherit the kingdom of God. I love this, this passage in, in Proverbs 16. It's so clear on this. It says pride goes before destruction. Pride, go, pride is the first thing that happens before the fall. And a haughty spirit before a fall. So I want to press you today, church, to to check your spiritual pride. Because it's the ones who are so confident in their good works that will be blindsided by Jesus on the day of judgment. Jesus says something very similar back in in, uh, Matthew 7. I'm, I'm telling you, we've got a lot of scripture today. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the ones who uh, do the will of the Father who is in heaven. On that day, many, someone say many. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? You see, they're confused. Lord, do we not cast out demons in your name? Do we not do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Why would Jesus call those who prophesy in his name and cast out demons in his name and do mighty works in his name, workers of lawlessness? Why would he do that? Maybe it's because we can do things in the name of Jesus, but not really do them for Jesus. We can do things in the name of Jesus, but not really for Jesus because we're not really after his heart. We're just using his name. Your ministry can be full of Jesus, but your life empty of Jesus. You say, how is that, past- how is that possible? How can you have a, a ministry? I mean, we, you've seen it before. You, you've seen ministers, I mean, ministries full of, of Jesus, but their life is empty. In the same way, your Facebook page can be full of beautiful scriptures. Your house can, can display that verse. In this house, we will serve the Lord. But like, not really, right? It just says it. Your Instagram bio can say Proverbs 31 woman, but. <laughs> you can identify Jesus in your lifestyle while not carrying the identity of Christ in your heart. You can identify Jesus in, 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 in little places. You can sparkle Jesus in your life without carrying an identity of Christ. And see, the problem here is that sometimes we don't recognize this. And I I really want you to get this because, man, I believe that there is going to be a day on that day of judgment where Jesus... He's, he's, he's real. People are going, people from the church, they're like, oh, we're going to go to the right side. This is, this is our group over here. And Jesus is like, hold, hold, wait, wait. You belong over here. 
And that's going to be, man, that's going to be such a, that's going to be such a heartbreaking moment. So we have to know this now. We have to preach this now. That identifying Christ in your lifestyle is not the same thing as carrying an identity of Christ in your heart. And so the problem here is the same problem that God identifies to Samuel back in uh, back, back back when God anointed David. Uh, what did he tell Samuel? Man looks out at the outer of a man while God looks at the inner of a man. Right. So God looks at the heart of a person before he looks at the actions of, of, of a person. But but the problem with those who fall on the left of Jesus is that they look at their actions and think that their actions qualify them for kingdom inheritance. God, I've I've had all my life in church. Look at all the scriptures I've shared to Facebook. Look at look at all the messages I've preached. Look at my my biblical education. I've devoted my life to ministry. Look at look at the spiritual giftings I have. And and Paul says, man, I can boast even more than all of you. But none of it matters when the heart is empty. Several weeks ago, I I preached a message on pride, um, specifically a pride I call territorial pride. I think there's many types of pride. Another one that I believe that we deal with sometimes is spiritual pride. It's, It's the spiritual pride who will, it's the spiritually prideful who will be blindsided when Jesus says, I never knew you. Um, I know this is kind of not my, my, my typical message. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going, kind of going everywhere. And, and can I be honest with you, man? I struggled getting this sermon done. Like I, 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 I struggled, Pastor Brandon. I'm usually done Fridays. Um, and you know, Sunday mornings I'll get here early just to kind of tweak a little thing and, and, and just kind of go over it. But as of yesterday morning, I wasn't even halfway done with my sermon because I felt like God was giving me all of these different scriptures. And I was like, God, that, that's a lot of scripture. Like, you know, we're going to, it's going to be like Catholic mass. You know, we're just reading the whole thing and I, I can't preach. Like I can't give an application. And, and, uh, and, and so he was giving me all these things and, and he was, he was pointing me to places where I felt like it was, it was like not the same message. And so I was, I was telling God, I don't know how you want me to, I have these conversations with God. Like he's, he's just sitting right there in front of me. Like, I don't know how you want me to structure this into a coherent message that people can understand. But it finally came together. For some reason, God was taking me to the tower of Babel. So I reread Genesis 11. That's where we find the story of tower of Babel. And I spent some time studying it. I I, I read it. I grabbed some commentaries. I, I did a deep dive study and I was like, okay, this is, this is great. So you want me to change my message? He's like, no, it's the same message. And I'm like, How, it feels like another message. He's like, it's the same message, but it feels like another message. It's the same message. I went back and forth, back and forth. I was like, okay, how is it a different message? Show me, Lord. Show me. I, clo- I, remember, I literally, I closed my eyes. Show me, Lord. And you know what he said? He said, figure it out. He said, figure it out. I'm like, how? It's Saturday, God, you know, give it to me already. And I, I, I started to think about it. I started to think about the subjects, the, the audience in Matthew 25 and Matthew 7 and Genesis 11. In Matthew 25 and Matthew 7, you know, Jesus is, he, he's talking to the unrighteous, those who thought they were righteous, but they were found in the guilt of their spiritual pride. 
the audience or the subject of, uh, of the Tower of Babel narrative is just a bunch of people who wanted to make a name for themselves. And then something started to click. I was like, oh, I see where you're going. I started to see the, the correlation. I, can we just read that story real quick? I know I said, I, I warned you, there's a lot of scripture. Genesis 11, one through nine. It says, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city on the tower, which... The children of man had built and the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they uh, propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was Babel because there the Lord confused the languages of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. So this story, I don't know. I don't know what you think. I don't know what what you think on, on the surface when you read this story. I used to read this story and think just no lie. God, why'd you do that? Like. What, what, what was the purpose? I remember being a kid, being taught this in Sunday school, thinking they, they just wanted to build a city. You know, what, what, was, what was so wrong with it? And, 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 and the text itself, it provides no real reason for why God wanted to go down and confuse their language. It's kind of like if you ever had siblings and you were working like on a, like a Lego tower and then your sibling comes and they just knock it down to be mean, right? There's no real reason for it. I felt like that was God when, when he just destroyed, when he came down and confused the language of these people. And I, I was, I remember thinking, God, why, why would you do that? And then thinking, aren't you, aren't you not a God of confusion, but of peace? That's what, that's what your word says in first Corinthians. Why did you deliberately go down to confuse the language of these people to, to disrupt their progress? What was so bad about what they were doing? And so this is why you need context. In Genesis 9, we're going, again, we're going everywhere. In Genesis 9, Noah and his family are coming out of the flood. And God gives them one command. You know what it is? He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. He, he tells them that two times. Be fruitful, multiply, and greatly fill the earth. Well, by the time Genesis 11 comes around, they hadn't done that yet. They've been multiplying, but they haven't filled the earth. They haven't scattered. They are one people with one language, with one purpose. And this is the problem that God identifies when he says nothing will be impossible for what they purpose to do. They might say, Pastor, what's wrong with unity? Isn't that what you're always preaching? Yes, but you can also be united around something that is not God. And, and the great sin of this people, it wasn't that they were united. It's that they were united around their pride. They were united in their self-righteousness. They were united around the desire to make a, a great name for themselves. They totally missed the purpose of God to scatter and fill the earth. 
They wanted to be stuck in their own fortified city uh, with people who thought like them, who believed like them, who agreed with them. The question I think God wants us to consider today is, is the body of Christ becoming another Tower of Babel? Is, is, is the reason that we want to see miracles for our own pleasure? Or is it to really win people for Jesus? Is the reason that we build churches to make a brand out of our own ministry or to heal broken people? We have to ask these questions. Jesus said there will be, a, there will be those who do all these mighty works and they're going to pack out services and they're going to bring hype and they're going to do great and mighty things. But if it's all done in vain, how much different are we from the men in Genesis 11 who were only looking after themselves? If you're just having church for the church, if you're only feeding those who are already well fed, all you're doing is building yourself a fortified city. The church wasn't meant to keep to itself. It was meant to scatter. It was meant to scatter. Someone say that this morning, scatter. You were meant to scatter. The church was meant to go out. And then God took me to Acts chapter 8. I'm telling you, he took me, every, he took me on a journey. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. After the death of Stephen, a great persecution takes place in Jerusalem. Jesus had just given his apostles the great commission to go into all the world with the message of the gospel. Up until this point, they had been reluctant to do so. The Christians had pretty much just stayed in their city of Jerusalem. This is what's comfortable. This is what we know. They speak the same language. They like the same food. The people look like us. We don't get judged for a different culture. Let's stay here. So God used the death of Stephen in the same way he used the confusion of the language with the men who were building this city. God confused their language so that they could scatter throughout the world. God used persecution of the church to scatter the church throughout the world. And so Acts 8.1 says, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Sometimes God has to wake us up and shake us. And sometimes God has to send confusion and sometimes God has to send uh, persecution so that we may stop staying in the same spot and go out with the light that he told us to shine. What does this tell us? Tells us that we were meant to scatter. We were meant to go out from our groups into a world that needs Jesus. Now, can I also tell you that scatter doesn't mean divide? Just because you're scattered doesn't mean you're divided. That, that's, that's, that seems the way that the, the church has done it. I'm not, I'm not scattering, I'm dividing myself. I'm separating myself from, from this church because I don't like this church because that person offended me. I'm going to go to this other church. That's not scattering. That's creating disunity. Scattering is done with, with the same purpose in mind, you can, you can scatter and still be united. It, it, it just means you're going to cover more ground. It, make, it means that it's not going to be about your community only. You're making it about 
everyone who God cares about, the sick, the prisoner, the hungry, the naked. Jesus says to those on his left, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. Why does Jesus associate himself with the least of these? He says, if you did not do it to them, you did not do it to me. It's because that's where the heart of God is, church. Jesus spoke more of the unchurched than he did those already in the church. He equipped those in his circle. We talked about in his circle. He made disciples. He, he lifted them up. All those things are, are good, but, but, but the purpose of, a, of the church was to be a tool powered by the Holy Spirit to go out and reach the least of these. The power wasn't meant to be harnessed just inside the church building. Because then we miss the point and, 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 and fail to understand the heart of God. I'll give you an example. If, if any of my daughters, for whatever reason, were outside and they were, they were it, was, it was cold, it was, it was wet, it was raining, and, and they were hungry, and, and, and they had no place to, to sleep, and for whatever reason, her parents aren't, aren't there, and it's just, it's just my daughter's out there, and, and they're homeless, and they're cold. If you were to take them in, if you were to pass them by and take them in and give them a meal and give them blankets and give them new clothes, warm clothes and and a roof over their head, you didn't just bless them, you blessed me as well. If you did it to them, you also did it to me. Now, Now say you pass by them on the street and you did absolutely nothing to help them. Maybe, maybe you, 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 gave, you stopped and you gave them a word. You said, Jesus loves you. Maybe, maybe you gave them a word of encouragement. Maybe you did things in the name of Jesus, but you didn't really do anything for Jesus. That's the difference that Jesus wants us to see between those on the right and those on the left. See, those on the left understand the things of God. The ones on the right understand the heart of God. The people on the right side of Jesus are poor in spirit. Therefore, they can empathize with those who are poor in spirit, those who are hurting, those who are struggling. I'm going to have Vivian, can you, can you give me some keys? This, this past uh, uh, Wednesday, we had a, we had a, a discussion, um, and it was, on, it was on homosexuality. We started talking about homosexuality and, and and, you know, you know I, I've realized that of, of so, of, of all the, all the sinner groups, you can, you can talk about, uh, we can talk about, you know, the thief, the, the alcoholic, the, um, the, the depressed, the, the, the brokenhearted, all of them. There's a place for, for everybody in the church. There, there's a place for every sinner in the church. But you know what I've recognized? That, that, that certain people... And we'll, we'll say people in, in the LGBT community, they distance themselves from the church. They're not, they're not going to be the ones who seek solitude in the things of God. Right? We've seen all kinds of sinners walk in the door. But we don't see, we don't see certain members, certain, certain types of sinners. And I believe that 
this is, this is the moment where, where the church must recognize these things, take the power of the Holy Spirit that has been equipped in them, and go outside of the walls of the church to be the church. Because that, that, is, what God, that is what God cares about. That is the, the heart of God. Now, God loves it when we have beautiful, beautiful services. And, and God loves it when we have beautiful seminars and, and beautiful conferences and, and things for the body because it helps edify and equip the body. But it, it, what, what are we using the equipment for if not for the lost? The ones on the right side aren't concerned with building fortified cities. The ones on the right side would rather be late to church helping someone in need than to get to church on time and fail to be the church to the unchurched. Have you ever felt to, have you ever failed to be the church on your way to church? Have you, have you ever said, not, not giving someone your time, not answered a phone call because oh, I got I to get, get to church. And a moment where someone was looking for you to be the church, that you close the door on them so that you can go to church. So I wanted to bring this message today, church, so that, that everyone, we would understand the heart of God. None of these things that I've mentioned um, are to be devalued in any way, right? Building a strong ministry, you know, having powerful services. I mean, for the church exclusively, we just had one on, on Friday. All of this is vital. But the heart of God is that we would introduce his kingdom to the kingdomless. We would introduce the father to the fatherless. That is what the heart of God is. And I know that we know this, but we have to, we have to preach it every now and then for us to be reminded, hey, this is not about me. And if, if we ever come on a Sunday morning to get our fill and never share that fill outside, it's wasted. It's wasted, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Danny. It's, it's wasted. Because God fills you up in here not so that you can go outside and just dump out the water. He fills you up in here so that you can have energy to get through the week using the fuel that he's given you last Sunday with the power of his Holy Spirit. If you're drained spiritually, it's got to be because you've been activating your spirit. It's got to be because you've been working out your spirit. You've been, you've been trying to encourage a brother. You've been, you've been trying to speak life into that sister. You've, you've been giving yourself uh, to someone in need. That, that will cause you to be drained in spirit. We come in here, church, to be fueled by the Holy Spirit. And we go out to be used by the Holy Spirit. That is the purpose of, our, of the church. I want to be on the right side of Jesus knowing where I'm going, knowing I belong there because I care about the things and the heart of God. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning.
Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God. We thank you for this word, my God. It was as difficult as it was. I pray, Father God, that that your Holy Spirit spoke. And I pray, Father God, that you give us a heart of yours, my God. I pray that you break our hearts for the things that break yours, my God. I pray that you give us joy when you have joy, Father God. I pray that we may rejoice, my God, when, when people are brought to Jesus, Father God. I pray that our hearts reflect yours, Father God. How we need you, my God. How we need you, my, how the world needs you, my God. there's anybody here this morning and I see you bow your heads, close your eyes. This is something we do every, every Sunday. We, we don't want to give, uh, we, we want to give opportunity for anyone who does not have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe today you say, you know what? Honestly, I don't know if I'm going to be on the right side or the left side. And you're not walking with Jesus. You haven't given him your life. You haven't given him your heart. Maybe you know about the things of God but you're not walking in the purpose that he has set out for you. Salvation is in this place through Jesus because Jesus is here. And I'm going to ask if there's anyone here this morning who wants to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior or or rededicate uh, your life to him today. If that's you this morning, I I want you just to to, to raise your hand. and I'm going to pray with you right there where you're at. If that's you this morning. Amen. Amen. Keep them, keep them high for me real quick. Just one more second. Praise God. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I have two people dedicating their lives to Jesus today, church. Or recommitting their lives to Jesus. If that was you this morning, I want you to help me repeat this prayer. I'm going to ask the whole church to say it with me. And do it with a sincere heart, believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who looked at my sin and said, I'm going to die for that. I'm going to give life to this person I thank you for doing that Lord thanks for listening if you'd like some more information on Numa Church visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org if you enjoyed the podcast you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch thanks again and God bless